The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. How are you, sir? I'm getting well-rested, I'll put it that way. I just spent spent all day binge-watching Upload um, from Amazon, um, which was created by a show I've been asking you to... To, to, to watch you know maybe when you retire in about 50 years the office but yeah yeah pretty good though the office, yeah so i have a list is seinfeld uh friends uh and the office uh, all of which i've never watched uh, let me i'll put it to you this way this will just tell my frame of reference okay by far the office way up here seinfeld's pretty darn good you can put it up here um I've seen enough of friends. You so, just to tell so you, like they don't belong on the same list. Seinfeld's good enough; has been around long enough. I mean, even having not watched it, some of the lore is permeated into your head, yeah. right? So there's there's things like that, and I suspect the same of The Office. I just don't realize it because it it hasn't had enough time for me to, yeah. have, to all be explained to me. But anyway, yeah. um, let's explain some things about football, Matt. Let's do it. The draft is over. There is a uh, post draft rookie scouting portfolio available for download, Matt. Tell them what they'll get if they do that now. Yeah. In addition to the pre draft tome, where you get evergreen content with 150 detailed profiles on prospects, um, and, and that's available along with this for $21.95. This post draft gives you a cheat sheet that's tiered. It also has rankings and tiers. It's on two pages, um, and it covers over 220 prospects. Um, you even get a sweet spot ranking. So I look at you know about 10 to 12 different drafts that happen the week after the NFL draft or as the draft's going on, and uh, I take their ADP. I compare it to the ADP of what I do to re-rank these players now that they fit and we know where their fits are, and I give you the difference. So that, you know, for instance, if I think that Dalton Kincaid is a first-round pick, you know, but say, for instance, the the fantasy industry felt like, or people who did these drafts felt like that he was a third-round pick, I give you, it gives you a number that gives you kind of the sweet spot of, like, how many picks after the ranking I have or before the ranking that I have that you should take him so that you can get as much value as possible. And I go over, like I give you probably 20 pages worth of in, um, a- a- analysis of where who were good fits, bad fits, who, who are players that I think have kind of boom bust upside that maybe it's, you know, there's some iffy things, but you should consider them. Um, underrated, overrated players, projects, even guys who maybe I didn't go through the whole RSP process with, but another 70 to 80 guys that I watched some film on before and after the draft and basically gave you a ranking within that tier of all the undrafted free agents that signed with teams as a kind of a separate tier after everybody else and and gave you some ideas of guys that you want to keep an eye on for training camp that nobody's talking about. I have been reading mine and enjoying it immensely, of course, and so we'll get into some perhaps some nuggets from that here as we go through the feel it or bucket session of this program. And by the way, he's Matt Waldman. I'm Bob Harris.
find me at Football Diehards. We're working on magazines. They'll be out soon. Pro yes. Forecast, 34th year, and we'll include work by Matt Waldman. One of, the, one of the most worthwhile things that you'll find at the stores that these things are available at is <laughs> in the newsreel, is in, is, is in the, the newsstand section, that's for sure. Um, check it out. And if you don't know what a newsstand is, you should you, you, you should head, head on outside a little bit more. There often. are still things called stores, people. They're great. Yes. Kadarius Tony. Uh, some people think he's great. The Chiefs, apparently among them, believe uh, that he is capable of being a wide receiver. One, good health is, you know, obviously part of that equation. But from the skill set perspective, I feel like, Matt, we've been looking at pretty much any receiver who plays, you know, with Patrick Mahomes as having this, you know, ability to be a wide receiver one in a given week. Uh, do you think Kadarius Tony could emerge as a as a consistent wide receiver one in this offense? Oh, I'm totally feeling. I think Kadarius Tony could be one of the best wide receivers in the league. Period. The thing is, is hopefully you get him at the discount because there's going to be a severe amount of pessimism or skepticism regarding him that. being able to stay healthy, whether or not he's not a, a mature enough, whether he's an individual, mature enough individual, not a knucklehead. If those things work out, you're going to get him at a discount this year. It's next year where the big issue is going to come into play. Is, is he going to be a guy who's buying into his own hype and not mature enough to handle it? So if he's, so for me, as long as, the earlier you can get them, the the better the deal is. Later in August, we're going to need to ask this question back in, you know, when we get to August and start seeing things like Kadarius Tony is a top fifteen overall player. If that happens, then you might start want to put the brakes on. In current best balls, uh, and I'm uh, looking at ADP from the last uh, two weeks or post draft. I'll just narrow it down to post draft. Kadarius Tony is wide receiver thirty nine. I see some potential for upside there, and that's what we're after when we're drafting yeah. Tony Pollard is uh going off i you know i think at about the right price he finished inside the top 10 last year matt can he do that again he can but it depends on how much workload they give him and how well he's adjusted because there has there was talk over the past couple of years that pollard was the type of back that if you gave him too much workload in a game that he he was a type of player that ran out of gas that because of the way that he played that he ran out of gas and you kind of have to sit him and he was toast after a certain period of time and then but then again you know you hear that from some of the coaches and then you see actions that seem to go to the contrary with that so there's room for growth here i think that he could finish as a top 10 fantasy running back i would probably say again like Kadarius tony if he's inside the top 15 you know that would be good if you're trying to take him as top five i think you're you've gone way overboard i would say anything from the seven to seven to fifteen range is reasonable. He is currently going off as running back ten, and I'm with you. And, and you know, last year Skip Pete, the running backs coach, you know, put, you know, basically said the Cowboys as an organization didn't think he well thought he was most effective in thirty snaps or less. Yeah. Right. So, and and maybe they still hold that view. Skip Pete is now gone, um, but still the coaching staff remains. The organizational view of him, I suspect, remains. That being the case. There is no Ezekiel Elliott. He could return. They, the, the Cowboys haven't closed the door on that, but clearly Ezekiel is out there looking for some money that I don't think he will get, so we'll find out about that. Ronald Jones is also on board, but so is Deuce Vaughn. Uh, let's say things the status quo remains. There is no Ezekiel Elliott, and Ronald Jones is there, and you know, Malik Turner is there, Rico McDowell is there. Oh, the same guys are there. Is Deuce Vaughn being a fantasy asset this year? you feel it or fuck it? Oh, fuck it. And I like, uh, I like Deuce Vaughn. I hate um, Deuce but, Vaughn. 
but like but I hate I Deuce like Vaughn. Hate. I hate Deuce Vaughn's position in this in this particular depth chart because um, he's in the same role that Tony Pollard was in, and now Tony Pollard. Do you really think we're going to stop? You think Tony Pollard's really just going to be in the Zeke role? And again, the Zeke role actually caught passes too. So you know, but if they're in the Zeke role that people think the Zeke role is, which is not catching the football at all and pass protecting and running in short yardage, but you know, not getting set up the way that Pollard was, the, the, there's no way that's going to happen. Pollard's going to be leveraged in the way that he works best, which is in the passing game. So why would you take Pollard off the field to give Deuce Vaughn significant touches unless Vaughn is just unbelievable? I think we're going to hear a lot of hype about Deuce Vaughn. I think we're going to see some big plays from Deuce Vaughn in the summer. Um, but then when the real games start happening, I think what you're also going to see is that they have a veteran on, on the roster who's going to be able to break things up um, unless a guy like Malik Davis or Rico Dottle can I stay did. healthy. I said Turner. It's, it's okay. Who can... Um, you know, who can supplement on the ground in more of a role that people think of for, for Zeke. Um, it's just not Deuce Vaughn's time this, at this point. Uh, the ability to, to pass protect, I think, is going to be a big issue. And that's going to be a thing that you'll, you'll see two to five touches per game from him at most. When you get to be my age, confusing your Malik's is very easy to do. Sure. Uh, journeyman receivers, journeyman running backs, and apparently future journeyman quarterbacks. All the same to me, I guess. Um, so uh, based on everything you said, I guess you told me what you're really telling me is you feel I should make a change in my uh, avoidance of Ronald Jones as a last-round pick of my best balls. No, him too. <laughs> like, fuck him too. I mean, between fumbles, between not being able to catch the football – he may have an opportunity, but again, if if the, <clears throat> if the depth chart stays the same way, Tony Pollard's probably going to see 12 to 15 touches per game. You're going to say see two to five from Deuce Vaughn, two to five from Ronald Jones, probably you know probably four to six or five to seven from Malik um, Malik Turner, Malik Davis. So you got ah, me going. I got you going, Malik Davis, and then <laughs> Rico Dowdle. He might he might be able to I think he's the most talented of the reserves you just can't stay healthy but if you consolidate he he's the one that could consolidate all those other touches if he could stay healthy but he hasn't yet but for some reason they won't they won't churn him off the roster which tells you they know he's talented too uh, I tend to agree with all this and just for the record I did have Ronald Jones in my queue on the last pick of a of a best ball yesterday and I just couldn't bring myself to pull the trigger. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I could not. I, I went with the USC defense. Ronald Jones. Absolutely. But you know, the Ronald Jones that's been in the NFL, it's man, he can break some tackles, but the decision-making just isn't quite there. All right. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson seems to be a guy that I, I feel like I'm maybe a little skeptical on, but the circumstances remain good for him. Are you feeling him as a top 10 fantasy running back? Yeah, I'm totally feeling him. He's a skilled running back. I mean, Good quick feet, really good decision maker. One of the better pass receivers in the league, actually, um, in terms of hands. He And he's getting used more and more. Um, it's one of the reasons why they were willing to get rid of Damian um, Harris, you know. And, and yes, they, uh, you know, they've got other guys on this roster. They're hoping for Pierre Strong to become a thing. Um, but, you know, Pierre Strong is, is really kind of, one-dimensional in terms of scheme it fits what the what the uh, Patriots do 
But Stevenson, the Patriots are also a diverse running game, and Stevenson is very good at that at being able to execute everything, and he's a powerful runner with good burst. He to me, he's I thought he'd be a future top ten back. He is a he, I think he's he showed that last year. I think he's gonna repeat it this year. You should look at his rookie uh, scouting portfolio profile. Uh, I can uh, I can attest to that. Um, so uh, let's go back and and just by the way, uh, I have a problem getting rid of Harris. It's just uh, you know, yeah. I gotta I gotta rally around the clan. Um, uh, my guys are always gonna be good. He'll be fine with a pocket Buffalo. full of shells. With a pocket full of shells, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Kendra Miller being a fantasy asset this year for the New Orleans Saints. Feel it or fuck it? Totally feeling it too. Um, because I don't think Alvin Kamara is going to play more than half the season at best. Um, and then that means that Miller is going to get his opportunities to be working with um, Jamal Williams. Now, Jamal Williams is going to get to be the pass receiver, the pass blocker in this. Miller doesn't have far to go to get good at those things, um, but it may take a full year. It just depends on how good he is at diagnosing the uh, you know different blitz packages and, and being on the same page. But he's going to get usage... And he's got burst. He's a good tackle breaker. He really understands instinctively how to follow a chain of unexpected events to a, a, a good conclusion for himself. And I think that they're going to find ways to use him and leverage his skills to maximize his potential early on. So he's a guy that I could see getting eight to 10 touches in this offense a week and that being enough to be maybe a running back three or flex. Yeah, not knowing uh, the outcome full outcome, but suspecting Alvin Kamara is going to miss some time. That opens the door, and remember, both Kamara and Jamal Williams are not younger men. They're like 28 years old. Cooper Cup, also not a younger man, still being drafted after Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs. Are you feeling that as a slight discount? Blue light special, baby. I think so. I think that's a, you know, and he's kind of been that way before because it seems like that's kind of where he goes is in that five to seven range in a lot of drafts year out in the past three or four years because either like, oh, I don't think he was really a thing to, oh, he really is a thing, but can he really repeat what he did? That was so ridiculous to, oh, he's coming off of an injury. You know, I I think as, um, I, I think that with this team, we found that whether they have Al, uh, a, a good receiver opposite him or not, as long as the quarterback's reasonable, ah. he he's fine. And I think the quarterback's reasonable. Um, and but the fear is is can he stay upright and throw in the ball? Right. And if not, man, we all know Stetson Bennett's going to be great. Yes. I, based on the inputs of the rookie scouting portfolio, I would say I that's, that's a good. It's 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 a good buy. When I say draft, it was an investment in a yeah. super flex dynasty league. Come yeah. on, people. Yeah. I'm waiver wire and, and redraft. He's a good waiver go. wire monitor. Yes. All right. And I agree with that. And by the way, Cooper Cup is my wide receiver one right now. What am I basing that on? I'm basing that on his weekly average scoring from last year. Uh, under less than ideal circumstances, you mentioned Matthew Stafford not fully healthy throughout the year. Didn't throw at all last uh, offseason. He is throwing now, Matthew Stafford. Yeah. I think that works Re in his favor. Remember Jarvis, remember Jarvis Landry. Remember when they had those craptastic Dolphins teams where he yep. was getting over 100 yards a game? Yeah, because all they did was feed him the football. Well, this is a better version of Jarvis Landry, Cooper Cup. That's a win. Geno Smith finished last season as quarterback 10, currently being drafted in best balls uh, across the land as a quarterback 15. Are you feeling the Geno skepticism? I understand it. But fuck it, no, I don't. Ah, I don't believe man. that. Uh, I think I think people are waiting. 
I think they've seen too many videos of like, you know, Baker Mayfield, Scott Mitchell back in the day, you know, Brock Osweiler, whoever it was that had like a stretch of good games. And they, after a while, and they're just like, oh, he's just going to go right back down the toilet, you know, now that he's he's floated up. But I think that Geno Smith actually is a a good decision maker, has really grown his game. He's got he's got the offensive talent around him. I, I don't think QB 15 is justified. I think, you know, he's somewhere between QB 8 and 12, and you might be getting a deal still. I think so as well. I totally feel that. And remember, I mean, he completed on nearly 70% of his passes last year. He has a great receiving core that got greater this year. Um, I think there's a lot to like here, and I think the uh, the, the Geno uh, skepticism is not can, merited. Can I, can I add a point to this too? Please. Okay. So there are a lot of people that don't love the Jackson Smith and Jigba selection because they're like the Seahawks didn't use three receivers too much ah. you know um but let's remember something the the Shane Waldron came from the Rams who wanted to who used 11 personnel about 90 percent of the time when they could um for at least a couple years while he was there and I know that Pete Carroll talks about how their tight ends are and I saw this recently I think it was Scott Barrett who talked about this and showed a quote that Pete that you know that Pete Carroll was saying, well, we like our tight ends and, you know, we want to get them involved. And, and, you know, the 11 personnel that Seattle's used in the past has been more like in the 60 to 70% range and not as high as you would like to see because they want two tight ends. First of all, I appreciate what Scott's reporting because I think it's, it's a, important to note what the party line is saying. But if we're going to put our analysis hat on and the danger of maybe overthinking this, um, you've got a you've got a um, an offensive coordinator who is used to who was brought in to you do the Rams offense, and he only got say sixty you know fifty to sixty percent of where maybe he would wanted to use that personnel because they need that offense revolves around a slot receiver. Name the slot receiver in Seattle the past two years. He was a second round pitch by pick by the name of Dane, um, Dwayne Eskridge. And Dwayne Eskridge had a major concussion as a rookie and missed most of the year. They had no one after him. Last year, he was banged up most of the time. No one after him. So if you don't have a, a slot receiver who is worth your salt, then the one you picked is, because the one you picked is hurt, you're not going to get to use the offense you need to. You're going to have to adapt. And if you're the head coach of said team, are you really going to say to the media, well, that second round pick we got is really just screwing everything up for us we don't really want to go with two and three tight ends as much as we do what's that message going to say as a head coach to the tight ends who are who you may need to rely on that you don't really want to use them or to the slot receiver that you're hoping will come around this year i mean to me that's kind of like just management 101 if you're if you're quoting you know i i don't know scott and i know people who know scott and 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 have a lot of positive things to say about him and i think that you know obviously he's a people. good he's a good analyst you know but i would say yeah i mean you know that's one of those things that maybe can be missed when you think about managing that that coaches are also managers and they're not just going to tell you the absolute <laughs> truth about everything and i think that's worth in just fact, as a counterpoint it's probably the opposite of that but Ding. you know there 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 we have that point taken there 
young man, and I totally agree with it as well. Uh, Justin Fields, we've been hearing talk. Matt Eberfluss and, and Luke Gessie would like me to believe that uh, Justin Fields is already making huge strides as a passer this offseason, working on his footwork, which seems like that's the place where the work should begin. Uh, Justin Fields making major improvements as a passer this season. Uh, you feeling that? I'm feeling that he's doing the work, um, and I think that you're going to see um, improvement to a certain extent, um, but I don't think, I would say fuck it that those major improvements are going to show up on the field this year. It's going to take a couple years of really working on those feet for it to truly show up and sink in. Um, but but still, the guy is one of the best runners in football uh, You know when he breaks the pocket, and he has better weapons. So I think those improvements are going to come mainly because he's got an upgrade in talent and he's going to have a little bit more time. I, I tend to feel that as well. And, and DJ Moore, uh, still have some hope for him. Darnell Mooney, by the way, uh, sounds like he might be ready for training camp, but it's not a sure yeah. thing. So yeah, but that's something to watch on. So yeah. I'm going to throw these out here and, and with the caveat, Bob Harris thinks the obvious answer is to all these feel it. Uh, but I'm going to see, I'm going to take Matt Waldman's temperature on feeling these players as immediate starters in the NFL week one, day one starters. Bryce Young, feel it or fuck it? Feel it, just barely, but feel it. C.J. Stroud. Fuck it. Just don't think he has the core Case yet. Keenum? Um, Case Keenum or Davis Mills, if not. Oh, he'll be an immediate starter because he provided immediate starter production. That's what I yeah. was thinking. So, right. yeah, feeling he's going to be immediate starter, but fuck it that he's going to get immediate starter production. Well, there's only one who's going to give us immediate starter production, assuming he's the immediate starter, and it's Anthony Richardson. We all know this, uh, or at least I know this, <laughs> or at least I'm pretending I know this. That's what I do really good. I pretend I know things. Anthony Richardson. Yeah, feeling it. Totally feeling it. All right. I think we're, I think we're all on the same page. Like This is the simple equation. If you're going to take a chance on a rookie quarterback, take a chance on the one who might be the home run hit. The other ones are going to be, you know, even if they're fairly serviceable, Geno Smith is out there as the 15th quarterback off the board. Jared Goff is the 16th quarterback off the board. By the way, Aaron Rodgers is quarterback 14 right now. Russell Wilson, I might take a chance on him as quarterback 17 over Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Yeah, if you're taking if you're taking any of these rookie quarterbacks over the guys you just mentioned, fuck that. Like right. you, the 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 lesson might be wait until do your J.J. Zacharias and late round quarterback strategy. Take one of those four guys and then get one of these, you know, one of these three um, rookies as your backup if you're in a one quarterback league. It still works. I we just did the serious post draft draft that we, you know, all the hosts get on there and do a draft and and I'm trying to remember who it was. I should bring it up, but but somebody did that just to make that point. Got their their two quarterbacks and normally in a shortened draft you wouldn't take two. He took two at the last two picks, I think 11 and 12, yeah. just to make that point. Had really great quarterbacks in rounds 11 and 12, Daniel Jones and maybe Geno or someone of that, in that, someone in that same tier and to make that point. So, yes, it is a thing. You're going to see Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts all going off within the middle of the – before the middle of the third round, at least in early drafts. So I'm guessing in home leagues that'll – you know, you'll see one of the – one or two of those in the first round. So, watch out for that. Quentin Johnson, Matt. The, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers rookie wide receiver draft in the first round. Is he going to be a fantasy asset this year? Two wide receiver leagues, fuck that. Three wide receiver leagues, um, 
feeling it, but ultimately going to say just short of it. So fuck it. But three, but if he's in a four receiver where you get that, that extra flex, I'm feeling it. I think he's going to be in that wide receiver 36 to 48 range. Um, it just depends on whether he gets touchdowns. I think the real, the realistic upside for him is a wide receiver three, um, mainly because the chargers haven't supported three um, fantasy assets at the wide receiver or wide receiver quote, you know, at wide receiver position, especially with that tight end that they do have in Everett. Um, I just think that it's going to have to take an injury and he may have to play out of position for what he does best in order for that to happen. And I think he's at his best probably going to be in the slot. And that's still going to require some, um, how would I put it, some diagnostic skills that he hasn't had to show at TCU as mainly an outside guy. He's going to have to be on the same page with, um, you know, with Herbert in terms of adjustments. So, yeah, I'm, I am I would say four wide receivers feeling at three, I would take the chance. And I'm going to dip into the Bob Harris file of uh, speaking something into existence uh, situation here. Here we go. Here we go. i pull this out of my special folder. Zach Kuntz's chances of emerging as a legitimate red zone weapon this year for the New York football Jets. I think that's possible, but it's a low, low upside thing. And I'll say it because I think you're right about the player. I think in terms of what he can do, but I think that we forget that Tyler Conklin actually was that here. guy at central <laughs> right. Michigan and hasn't been used that way because he hasn't had a quarterback who knows how to throw those balls with the trust. And now he does. Damn it. All right. Luke Musgrave over Tucker Craft. Yeah, I'm feeling it just barely, but it's but I'm feeling it. Um you know, the the big thing with him is you're going to get more separation from Musgrave in terms of the speed that he has. He's he's definitely a sure-handed guy. He's run a, a maybe a larger variety of routes than I saw Tucker Craft run, but Craft's the type of player that's talented enough that if the things that he needs to to show, he can show quickly and I imagine he can. He's going to muck up the entire works of this tight end room for fantasy oh. assetry. Let me take a step backwards then, just in this particular circumstance, and just uh, see how you're feeling and what your thoughts are on the, the approach the Packers are taking here with surrounding Jordan Love with a kitty core of receiving talent in hopes they grow together. Uh, is that a is that a wise uh, a wise path? It is if just if Jordan Love has demonstrated in the quarterback room um, over the past couple of years that he's more than ready conceptually to lead that room, help install the offense, and really direct young players to where things need to be. But we haven't seen it on the field enough yet. He's a player I actually, he and Rashid Shahid are the two players I want to study very early um, in the summer now that I have some time and summer's here that I can do that. Um, and they're going to be guys I think I'm going to profile early on. But I would say I'd be a little skeptical with that uh, on that question right now just because we haven't seen jordan love enough of him to say whether or not he's that he's ready that way it may also be just the i mean i look at the packers and they draft players if you know on the surface you could joke that the the packers draft players who look like they should come out of central casting you, you know or like a, a corporate like like a corporate um you know powerpoint video with vid, you know of like you know, paid actors performing jobs. They they kind of look like a that bunch way. of Ryan Edwards. You know, yeah, I guess so. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just 
they they look like they look like they should be models for a dairy company or a cheese company um you know it's gonna build strong bones and keep you healthy you know i mean that's basically what these guys look like i don't know whether they can play football actually i do some of them actually can play football but it's just having them grow with it that's i don't know it's kind of a kind of a lame answer because that last time that really worked was peyton manning and peyton manning was a coach on the field because as we've as i'll end it this little story is that peyton manning ryan leaf um you know the uh former gm bill polian um who is so beloved for his ability to identify um lamar jackson as a as a wide receiver or a running back um actually was a pretty good gm back in the day and told a story about how when they had a a, a a meeting pre-draft with both those quarterbacks, Manning and Leaf, that Manning came in with a briefcase, asked him, can I ask you some questions? Because I have some questions before we get started. He said, sure. And proceeded to spend the entire allotment of time interviewing the GM. And one of the questions that he asked later, he goes, listen, I know that there's a, a certain allotment of time that I'm not allowed to be in the room or be in the facility um, until after the draft he goes but i just need you to know i don't really care about that rule i'm i'm gonna be here so i just need to know how do how are we gonna arrange for me to get into the building because i'm gonna be here to work day after the draft like how's that gonna arrange i don't care if you know or not but somebody you know i need you to know that i'm gonna be here um and then when they asked ryan leaf they said, you know, when do you plan on coming in? He goes, well, I planned a vacation to Vegas with my buds like a year in advance. And I thought I was going to be, I really want to be here about eight days later than when we're supposed to be here. Is that going to be okay? You know, that's kind of the difference of mentality. I just don't know if Jordan Love has that Peyton Manning mentality because only Peyton Man Manning and Tom Brady really and Drew Brees are guys that I know had that kind of mentality that early on. There you have it. Matt Waldman says so, and I believe it. Also, he mentioned a hallowed name in this draft area, uh, Rashid uh, Shahid, uh, currently on about 27% of my many best ball rosters. So hopefully that you. comes to fruition. Listen All right, young Bob man. Harris, you're ah, be careful. Be careful, kids. It's a dangerous game you're playing here. All right, that's <laughs> it. Feel to fuck it over for this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, go to the rookie scouting portfolio, Matt Waldman. Dot com get your rookie scouting portfolio post draft edition right now it's fantastic you heard it from me goodbye love you man love you bye